0: Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy. I will be hosting this week. And with me, I have Katie Crocus and Kim Schlag. The three of us are back together. We had a little bit of a hiatus last week, because, not a hiatus from the show, but Kim was not joining us because she was traveling to Utah to send off her son to college. Yes. Go. So, Uh, He's there. He's happy. I
0: had a lot of fun experiences out there with him, getting him settled in and getting to, you know, do some fun outdoorsy naturey things. Um, Had a great time stayed at a lodge that made me feel like I was in a Hallmark movie. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a great experience.
1: It was great to be with him and, and get him settled in. It looked beautiful. And I was watching some of your stories and I saw him settling into dorm life and it brought back so many good memories of this time in 2006 when I was going to the University of Oregon and <laughs> settling into dorm life myself it feels like just yesterday went by so fast but yeah well that's actually who time. I was hanging out with after
0: I dropped him off I hung out with my college roommates so that was fun no to way yeah yeah, it was fun to get together and reminisce. We went to one of them has a cabin up there, so we went and stayed at her cabin.
1: Oh, how fun! I have no idea where my college roommate is. The last I heard, this is awful. The last I heard, she was dead. Oh, oh, oh my Lord. I know. I got a, this, a crazy right there. So I knew her from high school, and oh. she—I didn't really know her before, but we had a class together senior year. And it was an anatomy class. So we had to sit in like big tables or around big tables where it was very easy to converse with people. So she and I got to know each other and we started talking about where were we gonna go to school and this and that. And she said, oh, I'm thinking about University of Oregon. I said, so was I. And we both get accepted. And then she tells me out of the blue one day, oh yeah, I put you down to be my roommate. (laughs) And I said, without asking me?
2: So oh, that's it the, that is it random. Was
1: most, it was the most bizarre thing, and then uh, I found out some very weird things about her uh, before we ended up going up there. So I was hesitant, but you know, the people pleaser in me, even from a young age, was like, Nope, not gonna say anything, just gonna go with it. At least I'll know somebody. Uh, it was an awful, awful experience oh. right from the get go. She did drugs in our room, and it, yeah, oh yeah, Crystal. Oh my math, gosh, yes. I would turn wow. around to be laying a crack pipe. <laughs>
0: What? <laughs> yes. All right. Now I'm now I'm worried for
1: my kid. Knows, know, don't be right? worried for your kid. He had ten roommates.
0: I hope none of them are lighting up a crack pipe.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> oh I, I didn't God. tell like I didn't tell my mom until years later. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I said, she's like, I would have come up and moved you out. And I said, that's the exact reason. <laughs> I didn't want uh. there to be conflict. But yeah, then um I heard from a mutual friend of ours, like, oh yeah, she's she's dead. But I, I don't know if that's true. So crazy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> story for you. That's the craziest college roommate story I've ever heard. I'll say it, it, pro- it probably is. Yes. It kind of, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it ruined my college, my freshman year experience, but it did make me a little bit sad that I didn't have that strong connection mm-hmm. with my roommate. You know, that I think a lot of people do. So, you know what,
2: Marcy, I didn't either. I'm really no. not in touch with anyone from college. I went to Penn state and, and I was in a sorority and I was in a school that immersed itself in, like drinking culture and social culture and football and it was all about like having these wild experiences and i just couldn't show up for it like the introvert in me like i i love i love humanity but i have an actual hard time with humans and so like all of this <laughs> stimulation was so much for me that i just like shut it down right and so i walked i graduated from college like with this you know degree from a school that's like top 10 party school so fun and I just like needed to decompress for like a decade after that. It was a lot. Wow. And actually, this this weekend, Penn State football is coming out to Wisconsin playing UW-Madison. And I've got some family coming out for the game. And I'm super excited to like just like do the football thing this weekend, but it's gonna be so different because Camp Randall here in Madison, like you know, of course we're all masked and there's a lot of different restrictions. And frankly, my family is coming out from Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I'm hoping that they can like get to the airport. I mean, Kim, oh. I saw a picture of your bird's eye view yeah, of the it's Philadelphia area.
0: What's going it's on? A complete mess. So Ida hit us hard and I knew we were gonna get this storm. We always get storms, and there's there's flooding like frequently here, but I've never seen anything like this. Like this is really bad. I actually found out this morning uh, when I looked on Facebook, we had had an evacuation order for my area of town because the dam was getting ready to breach. And I was we were asleep, and later I was like, it didn't even matter if I had seen that order, I wouldn't be able to. There's nowhere for me to go. I can't leave. Like they would have had to come get a helicopter to get me out of here. There's all the exits to to my town. Most of them are closed because it's underwater. Um, It's just, it's a mess. I have not sustained any damage. Our house is completely fine. Nothing has gone on with our cars, but I'm looking at these pictures of my neighbors and the people I know around town and like their cars are underwater, bridges are underwater. Um, It's just a complete wreck. Uh, A lot of, a lot of damage for people around here. And yeah, I don't know if somebody if they're driving from Allentown, it could be a rough go. Yeah, it'll probably take longer to try and find like ways to get places like Mm -hmm. the bridge that I use to go to like target to go to church to go to my daughter's job. I don't know if it's going to be usable for months. We just found out the bridge cracked with all the water and it's not another way to that area of town. So I think it's going to be that way. A lot of places, they're just going to have to find a way around.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of the country is probably devastated from the hurricane Mm -hmm. too. I mean, it's not just that area. It just took a path right at the center of the country. So our our thoughts are with everyone who's affected by this.
1: Yeah. It's serious stuff. Mm. Mm. I know. And then fire still in California, we've had smoke for like, I don't know, months now it's just devastating.
0: Yeah. When I was in Utah, the smoke from all the rest of the West had really settled in there. There was just smog,
1: smoky smog everywhere in Utah. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, the state of our world.
2: I know. Mad.
1: <laughs> well, on a happier note, should we talk about mindful eating? <laughs> yeah, look, I know that yeah. might be a little just like <laughs>
0: incongruous, but sometimes when the world is like on fire around us, we still have to control what
1: we control in our own lives. And our health is a piece of that. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely. That is the one thing that you can control your actions and your mindset for sure. So, and that's the other component of this is I think oftentimes when things are in disarray, we tend to use food to cope. We are not necessarily mindful and present. Am I hungry or am I bored? Am I anxious? Am I stressed? What is the emotion that is really coming up for me in this situation? So that is a huge component of mindful eating. And for anyone who maybe did not hear the first episode, I would strongly encourage you to go give that a listen because we talked about the difference between intuitive eating and mindful eating. So intuitive eating is an actual practice in itself. It was developed by two women. And I think oftentimes people get it mixed up. They think that they are being into, or they think that they are eating intuitively, but they are really eating mindfully.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we dif- are differentiated between that a little bit. And now we are going to continue the conversation. If you are someone who decides that I have body composition goals and I want to work towards them, which intuitive eating does not like that goes against intuitive eating, but how can I work towards a fat loss goal and use mindful eating practices to do that? Whether or not I am tracking macros, or if I decide that I have reached my goal, or perhaps I want to still work towards it, but not Track macros. How can I incorporate mindful eating strategies in order to best support me? Sound good? That's the chat today. Mm -hmm. That is the chat today. So, Kim, let's start with you. What is your definition of mindful eating? So,
0: mindful eating, in my definition, is the idea that we're not tracking calories. Okay. Actually, that's not true. You can mindfully eat while tracking calories. There is definitely an overlap there, but the piece that is different is we're not just relying on numbers. We are doing other things, habit-based things, um, paying attention. That mindful piece is that, that being present piece with our eating. And there's lots of, we can talk as we go today about all the specific things we can put in place so that we are aware of what and how much we are eating and its impact on our results.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Katie, what about you? What's your experience with it, either with yourself or working with clients?
2: Well, I would I would add to what Kim had said, um, that the awareness piece is probably the most important component when I've been working through it and working with clients on it. And establishing a connection to your body is really, it, is really integral in the process. Um, it's more about what does your body need and less about what does my mind think I should do? So it's like stepping away from the shoulds a little bit and sort of embracing like, what do I really need at this moment? And, you know, when we're talking about sitting down for a meal, it, it's important to um, think about, you know, what am I trying to achieve? Like, what am I doing in this meal? Am I refueling from a really heavy workout? Do I just need a snack to get me to dinner? And really kind of tap into where are you in your day and what is going to best serve you in that moment as opposed to I need to eat a protein bar because that's what I have in my macros or that's what I have planned in my fitness pal. So it's sort of just like taking a step back and sort of looking at it from, I'd say, um, a, a bigger... 30,000 foot view rather than just like in the moment, like what is the next thing on my list that I have to check off in my meal plan, in my macros that are already reworked for the day. And it's just, and it's a nice way to sort of stair step your way out of, um, macro tracking in a way that allows you to still sort of continue on with your goals. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. And, Macro tracking. I am in full support of it. I talked about it on last week's episode. I still continue to do it with myself and I utilize it with the majority of my clients, at least in the beginning of their weight loss journey, unless they are completely opposed to it and they do not want to track. Mm -hmm. But I say that macro tracking acts as a guardrail. So it gives you these parameters to adhere to so that, you know, you're in a calorie deficit if fat loss is your goal. But where I think it can get a little bit sticky is oftentimes I will have clients who say, okay, here are my numbers, but I'm really not hungry at the end of the day. So should I still be eating all of those calories? And Kim, I would love to know from you what is your answer to that question. If a, a client comes to you and says, you know what? Cause I, read write a check-in from one of my clients earlier. They're almost like I'm, I'm force feeding myself. as well. mm. Uh, you know, you're, you're in a calorie deficit, so you should experience some hunger. Um, and if you're not, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's like things that you're not tracking. And so you're closer to maintenance, but yeah, in a deficit, I feel like you shouldn't feel as though you're force feeding yourself unless you're filling up on really high volume foods, which mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that being said, if someone is saying to you, okay, I'm at the end of the day and I have 40 grams of protein left and, you know, I just don't feel like eating any of it. What is your suggestion to them? So that's a really common occurrence. I get
0: this a lot from people and what the conversation usually entails next is me finding out some things because of what you just said, Marcy, are they really uh, eating the calories that they're supposed to? If you get to the end of the day and you're feeling stuffed and you should be in a deficit, That's not usually, that's not usually what would happen. So one of the things that can happen is that in the beginning of the day, they're still stuck in the habit of I'm trying to eat as few calories as possible. Right. And so they're not eating enough earlier in the day. And then it gets to the end of the day and now they're stuffed because they had to have this, you know, they had this big dinner, but now they haven't hit their protein. And so we look at the overall day, like are you eating breakfast? Not that breakfast is a must, but if you're struggling to get your protein in, it's a good place to start. Um, so we look there, can we, can we do things earlier in the day? And then we also look at, are you actually hitting the calories you think you are on paper? Because often that's a big piece of it. They're actually eating more and that's why they're feeling, they're feeling overstuffed. I will tell people, I don't ever want anybody to be force feeding themselves, whether it's to get their protein in or, or their calories in no, because we do want to practice honoring our body's fullness cues. That's the, idea when we eventually stop calorie tracking, what we're going to gauge by, right? So we don't want to push past that. The only case that I want people to push past that is if I'm working with somebody and they're in a muscle building phase, they're in a bulk phase, just like with a calorie deficit, there's, there's often this bit of I'm, I'm hungry in a surplus. There's often this little bit of like, I'm feeling kind of full, but I still need some calories. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with people like that, That's the only time I would say, like, let's push past that sense of fullness. Otherwise we do want to honor that, but there's a lot you can do as far as let's spread your food out. Let's make sure what you're eating is actually what you're supposed to be eating. um, and you're not actually going over it.
1: Yeah. I know when I first started to work with a nutrition coach with the goal of reverse dieting. So getting me out of the deficit that I had been in for a long time and really pushing my calories, Yeah, I was force-feeding myself the majority of the time. Um, Yeah. Not like, oh, I'm just so full because I mentioned this on last week's episode. I can eat. I don't really get that overly stuffed feeling. However, I knew that I am not technically hungry. My stomach does not feel empty. I don't have that sensation. I'm literally just eating to get the calories in Mm -hmm. at this point.
2: I've worked with women too, I think, who think they're not hungry, but are actually confusing that with being afraid to eat more. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've had to work through in terms of, again, gaining some awareness and peeling the layers back just a little bit and, and, you know, thinking, what is this that I'm actually thinking or that I'm feeling or this it's it's kind of goes along the same thing where it's like, okay, you do hit your calories for the day and suddenly I feel fluffy, I feel fat. And it's like, mm-hmm. what what are these what are these stories that we are aligning with things? like I eat a little bit more at dinner or I have like a a, a you know, maybe a bigger breakfast and then suddenly, Um, I feel suddenly fluffy, or I feel like my thighs look bigger. And it's like, these are stories sometimes that we tell ourselves. And I think it's important to not just necessarily accept them. Certainly when there's a lot of data about, oh, you know, my measurements are up. The scale is up. My clothing doesn't fit. I, you know, was on vacation for two weeks. Like that's evidence that there's probably been some sort of weight gain. But if you're like, oh my goodness, I had regular eggs for breakfast instead of egg whites and I'm feeling fluffy, there might be an inconsistency there. So kind of just peeling it back to, and also asking yourself, am I really not hungry or am I just afraid to eat more?
1: Mm-hmm. That is so yeah. true. And I think for a lot of women who have been dieting for years and years, they've found ways to push through that physical hunger. Yeah. You know, like for me, when I was at the height of my eating disorder in college, I chewed two packs of gum a day wow. and, Oh yeah. Two packs of gum a day. That was normal. I pretty much lived on sugar-free jello and egg beaters. And I can't believe it's not butter, Splenda, coffee, diet Coke. I mean, everything. I don't remember drinking a whole lot of water, (laughs) all the, all the caffeine to shut up, shut off my hunger response. Um, Yeah. Just to, to push through so I could stay in that calorie deficit, um, or eat, I wasn't even counting calories, but just so I could eat as little as possible to mm-hmm. manage my weight. So, yeah, I think that if someone has been dieting for a long time, then, and also this is interesting. I know it's kind of morbid to say I'm talking about death a lot on this podcast, but <laughs> like dying animals don't get hungry. So, if you are very, if you're met- metabolically, 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 adapted, then you're not going to be as hungry as well. Um, Very true. So that's, that's difficult to kind of circumvent, you know, and then there's the difference between, like I was saying earlier, physical and emotional hunger. So, um, and also people can experience a turn on or a turn off of hunger based on various things. So some people, get stressed out and they eat more. Some people get stressed out and their hunger response completely goes away. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of nuance there as well. I've had clients on on both sides of the spectrum where I have no appetite right now. And it's like, okay, but you still have to eat. You still have to fuel your body.
2: Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to the idea that emotional hunger is sort of like a call coming from inside the house telling you that there is a need that needs to be addressed. That's
1: a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that is what it is.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is And I think that's one of the big dangers of emotional eating, not just like, okay, I have physique goals and this is, this is hampering them. But the idea that when we use food to soothe, ourselves, we're not actually addressing what we actually need because Mm -hmm. food's not really the answer to almost any problem unless it's actually hunger. Right. And so if we're emotionally eating because we're stressed, we're sad, we're tired, we're bored, we're lonely, we're heartbroken, whatever it is, is it fixing any of those things? It's just this temporary band aid. We're distracting ourselves from it. So that's really one of the dangers of it. If you do that, look, I think it's normal for people to do it. Sometimes the problem is when it's your go-to response. So if it's keeping you from your goals and, or if it is your go-to response. And so now you're not having the hard conversation with your boss about why am I, I'm overstressed with work. I feel like I'm spread too thin, right? You're not addressing like I'm lonely and I'm not putting myself out there. You're just eating. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think there definitely, there's like the idea of, you know, PTSD, loneliness, childhood trauma, like all those big things. And some of us really need to dig deep and uncover those. But also I think sometimes that emotional hunger can stem from things like, you know, you're missing enjoyment from the food you are consuming. Like Marcy, you had said, chewing twenty sticks of gum a day, maybe it's gonna cause some satiety cues in your gut, but mentally your brain knows you're not getting enough food. Maybe you're eliminating carbs. Maybe you're getting plenty of calories from fat and protein, but not having carbs is causing you to feel a little triggered. Maybe you're under recovered. Is anyone, like, I don't know about you, but I've had days where like, I've gotten like 20,000 steps And I'm like, why am I so hungry today? And then I think back and it's like, well, I moved nonstop all day. So it's like, maybe I physically ate enough at, you know, 2,000, 2,100 calories, things that would normally keep me satisfied. I am not satisfied today because of a number of other things. And so I, I just, I I think it's important to kind of pause and listen to the messaging that is within you. Um, but sometimes you just have to like hold for a minute, like hold your brain off for a minute and be like, okay, what is my body actually telling me what else could be going on here that is triggering this like emotional need to, to, to keep eating and how can I be mindful and honor this right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at the book right now. What is it? Lean Habits by Georgie Fear. Kim, I know you're a really big fan of that. And yeah, absolutely, it is, it's a wonderful book and you <clears throat> coach your clients um, very much so with that framework in mind. So I don't remember which habit number it is, but one of them is, you know, wait until you feel hunger for what, 30 to 60 minutes before yeah. you eat. And let's Uh, be real. What is physical hunger versus what is emotional hunger? So emotional is coming from your brain. As Kim was mentioning, it is that desire to stuff down literally with food, what you do not want to feel and physical hunger is going to feel completely different than that. So it's not going to be in your brain. Um, or even, you know, let's say maybe it's anxiety or overwhelm, you'll feel those sensations somewhere else, not just in your gut. Maybe you feel a fluttering in your chest or something like that, but true physical hunger, Kim, I'll turn it over to you. What does that look like? You feel it in your stomach. It is an empty hollow
0: sensation in your stomach. It is not feeling run down or thirsty or any other sensation if you feel this emptiness, emptiness in your stomach, sometimes there's grumbling with it, that's what it is. And so really tuning into what does that feel like is important. And sometimes we just eat without thinking. And so we're not even paying attention to it because we eat by the clock, right? Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, this is the time I eat. So we just eat or we eat because other people are eating or we eat because we smell something good and we're not really paying attention to what do I feel like when I start feeling hunger? And mm-hmm. so when you start paying attention to that, and if your goal is to lose weight, paying attention to that, feeling that, and then sitting with it until you felt it for 30 to 60 minutes, which at first can be really disconcerting to people because they're not used to feeling hungry mm-hmm. and so you can start smaller. Like if you just start noticing that feeling and wait for five or 10 minutes, that's a great place to start. Um, if your goal is weight maintenance, you can just wait till you feel that hunger and then you could eat. But if your goal is, um,
1: losing weight, then really sitting with it for that 30 to 60 minutes can help, Mm -hmm. which can be very uncomfortable for people for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. There, I know there are many people who are afraid of feeling that hunger. Yeah. Well, and I think that was why I was chewing two packs of gum. I didn't want to feel it. It wasn't even just the, the craving of, oh, I'm using this to substitute for what I really want. It was, I am trying to reduce that hunger that I am attempting to fight my way through. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Um, so, and also one phrase that I like is hunger is not an emergency. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes that's the thing. It's a little bit is not going to kill you by any means. And if that loss is your goal and you are choosing not to track, or even if you are tracking, yeah. Can you sit with it for 30 to 60 minutes and realize like, I am going to be okay. And also similar to cravings, hunger comes and goes in waves. Mm -hmm. So you might feel it. You notice that little twinge, but rather than immediately reaching for the snack to get you by, can you just say, okay, I'm going to pause for a few minutes and notice, because maybe it's two hours after a meal and you're starting to feel that little bit of hunger, uh, which if you're in a deficit could be a real thing, but do you really need to eat at that moment? Probably not. So mm-hmm. if you can wait it out, then yeah, you might be able to go another hour or so before it really kicks into the point where like, okay, it is time to eat.
2: This is interesting, Marcy, I'm glad you mentioned this because sometimes I do this with my with myself, but with my kids too, where they'll run in the house and say, I'm hungry. And I'll say, great, grab an apple. And they'll be like, well, no, I really wanted some goldfish. And I'm like, well, if you want some goldfish, let's have the apple. And if you're still hungry, we'll, we'll have some goldfish too. Like, or let's just have them both together. And they'll look at me for a second. They'll be like, nah. And they run back out and jump on the trampoline for an hour. And it's like, okay, you you weren't hungry. You were just thinking about a snack. And, mm-hmm. and I do the same exact thing. Um, and one of, and since I'm, you know, I'm not a 10 year old, I'm not gonna go jump on the trampoline for 10 minutes. What I like to do instead, if someone's ever looking for like something tactical to kind of work through this, is pick a food like an apple, it's, a, it's one example. And sometimes I'll just set the, the breathwork timer on my Apple watch for one minute and I will breathe for one minute. And if I still am hungry or I still want the apple, or whatever it is that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about because usually I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't do this probably with like ice cream or Oreos. Cause I, I, would, I wouldn't want want that a minute later, but like something that is, would be normal in my day. Like maybe it's just having a snack a little bit, you know, before school pickup versus after school pickup or whatever. I will take one minute to just breathe and Almost always I'm like, huh, I really didn't want it. It was, it was something else that I needed. Maybe I needed to breathe. Maybe I needed a break. Maybe I needed to change my environment for a minute and just reset. But I know as a human, my brain is designed to pull me to eat during these transitions. That's just what, that's just what we do. And so sometimes it's the, it's the next right thing. And then other times it's trying to satisfy a need that we just haven't let actually surface. So like taking a minute to breathe does a lot for me. Exactly. That's fantastic, Katie. Yeah. I think that taking a moment to notice what's
0: happening, take a moment to breathe. We've so much in our society become accustomed to just snacking all day long. And a part of it is this, we don't want to get hungry for whatever reason. And so women put food in their purse and in their car and in their desk drawer. And so we have food everywhere in case we get hungry. And so sometimes I'll push back on my clients and ask them, what will happen if you get hungry? What will happen? Like, what are you worried about? And sometimes they're like, it's a really good point. Like probably nothing. Other times they're worried, like I will overeat or I will be hangry. And I think learning to trust that like, if you get hungry, one, you can find food, right? Mm -hmm. Do We really need to have the granola bar in your purse. Like, are you really gonna be somewhere there's not food? Where are you going in America that there's not food? Um, And so trusting that it's gonna be okay and that you can find food. And in fact, you can find food that will help you you know, meet your, um, your physique goals that you can do that. Like literally you can go anywhere and find a salad these days. You can go to McDonald's and find a salad. So I like to help people realize like one, it's okay to be hungry Two, We have usually set ourselves up to never be hungry. And three, you can even find food.
1: That's going to help you reach your goals wherever you go. So this brings me back to an experience that I had a couple of years ago where I was flying from uh, London, I was visiting, Oh, the former co-host of the podcast, Sam. Well, we were Sam and I went to Europe to visit Sarah and on my way home, it was a nine or 10 hour flight from London to San Francisco. And it was a fairly early flight. They fed us literally every hour. There was (laughs) something I wrote a post about it because I, I couldn't believe it. And I chose to fast during that time. Sometimes I will practice intermittent fasting when I'm on a long flight. Most of the time I can't eat the stuff on the plane anyways, because it's filled with gluten. And uh, (laughs) so yeah, every hour it was, okay, here's a meal. And now here's a snack. And now here's another meal. And now here's a drink. And people are just grabbing at it. Like no thought. It's just like, they were vultures. Like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. And I immediately opened the package up. It's like you, you people you're sitting on a plane. Like you can't really be that hungry. And don't you think a lot of that is just something to do? It's, oh, like, totally. we're, bored, it's, we're sitting it's, down there. All right, fine. Give me, give me Which, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, that type of hunger, hunger, hunger I'm using in air quotes, uh, is emotionally driven. So yeah, they just want the stimulation rather than, you know, can I just sit here with myself and embrace the discomfort and push through it? But it's uh, like going on a car trip. Like I tell
0: my clients, it's a really good point. Cause when I think about like, what can I bring for snacks on my car trip? That's like four or five hours. I'll say to them, like, if you were at home, would you be eating the entire time you were sitting at at your desk for the same period of time? And they're like, oh my gosh, I could eat my lunch and then maybe I'd have like a snack, but like, no, I wouldn't be eating. But somehow we get into a car and magically like we need food nonstop for four or five hours. And it's just habit. It's just what we do. It's like boredom. There's nothing to look out, you know.
2: So Which are eating. I totally do that. If anyone's ever watched my stories on the way to Colorado or anywhere else, <laughs> it's like every, every new state, every new hour, I'm, I'm showing a new snack. And I, <laughs> this is just something I do. And it, it's, it, it, I don't get too caught up in it because I don't travel weekly for my job or for my mm-hmm. life. It's not something that I need to kind of work in, but I'm very aware that I'm that person who's like, okay, I'm going to have popcorn and then I'm going to do some, you know, um, chopsticks and I'll probably have, you know, a sandwich that I'll have packed. Like I don't really like to have gas station food. And so I pack all this stuff and I honestly will boredom eat in, in the car. And I will kind of just allow myself to do that during those times of travel. And I realize it's not a good habit, but it's one of those things where I know that what I do every now and then does not work into the big picture in any meaningful way. Like most of the time I don't eat like that. I don't have days where I eat for my snack for five or six or 12 hours straight. But if I do that one day, it is not going to be a big deal. And I think that is sort of um, another point worth making in that. Yes, you, I am, I am mindfully doing this. I'm doing this in a way that's not just like zoned out, um, I'm I'm really enjoying the fact that I realized that there's like one snack after another. And what you do some of the time, man, is so much less than what you do all of the time. Mm-hmm. And
1: awareness, yeah, awareness is always the first step. Anytime you're trying to change behavior, that's where it starts. So, Katie, you have the full awareness that this is what you do and I'm okay with it. Right mm-hmm. now, I don't have a physique goal. I'm not trying to break a behavior that I know is no longer serving me. Like in the moment, maybe it is serving me. Right. Know? So yeah. I think that that's totally okay. But for people who are perhaps more on autopilot or mm-hmm. they do want to change this behavior, because Katie, like you were saying, you would not do that at home, but right. for people who are bringing snacks in the car, they are likely also grazing throughout the day yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a nuance and the difference with that for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about actual strategies with how to start mindfully eating. Um, I know for my clients, I always tell them, and I know it's not going to work for everybody. There's clients who are people who are listening, who have young kids and they can't just, you know, sit down and have a nice relaxing meal with no distractions. But as often as possible, I recommend sit down, put your food on a plate and be present, don't be at your computer. When I say sit down, I mean, away from your computer, not on your cell phone, hopefully not in front of the TV where it's just food to mouth and you're not even checking in to see, am I satisfied? Have I had enough? Am I getting full and being able to stop at an appropriate time? Also, I feel like food can be a pleasurable experience. So we're talking about emotions around food, where we shouldn't be using it to self soothe, but it still can be an experience. I was having a conversation with someone recently who was struggling with overeating and she was saying, yeah, you know, a lot of the times I get takeout or I'm getting food delivered from Uber and I'm eating it straight out of the, the plastic packaging. And I was like, well, that's not an experience. So why Mm -hmm. don't you put it on a nice plate and light some candles and sit down and try to eat it you know, peacefully and mindfully. So making the, making the meal more of an experience so that you're really enjoying it rather than just rushing from one thing to the next, which if you are doing that now, your brain isn't going to really register that it's full or that you're satisfied. So you're going to be in the pantry looking for that next thing that you can get to satisfy you.
0: I love that Marcy. This is something I grew up with. My mom, um, lights candles with dinner. Um, my mom and dad always from that time, I don't remember when I was little, but when I was a teenager and then like when I would visit home as an adult, my mom always sets a beautiful table and puts candles on the table. And it is this like sense of like, you're having an event, like your dinner, you sit and you enjoy it and you talk. And it really, it really does. Um, it's more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love
1: it. It forces you to slow, to slow down. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: A ritual that creates awareness. I Mm -hmm. love that. And I mean, I talked about breath work, but I think some people pray before dinner and it really is the same idea where you just center yourself and appreciate what is in front of you. Find a little bit of gratitude or thankfulness. And I think that ritual is is so important as, as part of the awareness piece while you're eating. And one physical thing that I've learned that I can look for, I don't know where I heard this, but if you haven't done this, Tell me, I'd love to know ladies, while we're eating and certainly when you're doing it in a quiet space, Marcy, as you described, I like to wait for the sigh. And hear me out here. What happens is you're eating, you're talking, you're thinking, you're not shoveling food in your mouth. You're just going through the process and you're very aware of your environment. At some point, your body will do this. Just a big sigh. And that is your cue to stop for a minute, maybe five. And that's usually when you're done. Okay. Your mind may want to keep eating, but that sigh, that like big breath in and out is Mm -hmm. probably your cue to just put your, push your, your, your plate back just for a couple minutes. Maybe it's still, you know, got a quarter of the food left on it. And that's cool. I challenge you to look for the sigh push your food back for a minute and see what happens. That mm. usually is when I'm done. And that's I something that. I had to get quiet for to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. That's a yeah, really that's good strategy. Problem. That's not. Have, do do you know the sigh? Have you guys ever experienced it? If not, look for it. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. It's
0: something that I've ever paid attention to all the time, but I know like sometimes that happens. I'm going to start paying attention to it,
2: Katie. I don't do it all the time. I wish I did it. I, I, you know, there are plenty of days that I don't do it, but I, I try to do it usually like when, with the candles and creating a ritual, like that's when I'm most aware and and I have the most ability to do it because usually I'm eating with family. I'm focused on the experience and as opposed to, you know, when you're eating lunch by yourself, sometimes it's just like going through the motions and it's, it's harder to be aware then.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something else that comes up quite a bit for, I know a lot of people is bloating. So I'm so bloated and that can be another, I mean, there can be a lot of reasons why you are bloated that I will not get into, but the lowest hanging fruit to try to avoid bloating after a meal is to slow down, Mm -hmm. be more present with your food, chew it fully. And people Mm -hmm. will say until it's liquefied. That's very difficult to do. And I'm guilty of this. I am guilty of inhaling my food. So I sit down, I do it undistracted, but I still will eat fast often. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were saying, I think, Katie, about how setting the table or sitting down at the table and taking a couple of nice deep breaths or practicing gratitude, saying a prayer that really slows you down, gets you into the present moment. And then another thing that happens is. Like the first phase of digestion does not start in the mouth. It actually starts with the sight, the smell, or even the thought of food. Mm-hmm. So, and that will help you secrete stomach acid, which is what you need to break down your food. So, if you're just taking the meal, not even, you know, recognizing that it's there pretty much and starting to eat and then shoveling it in, eating very quickly not chewing it fully, then you are not going to have as good of an opportunity to break down that meal. And that is what can lead to bloating. And then also if you're rushing through it, maybe you are overeating, which Mm -hmm. is going to lead to bloating as well. So Mm -hmm
2: it's one of the reasons I have my clients sh- step away from protein shakes as often as I can. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoy a shake usually at the end of the night with like some peanut butter powder on it or some, some cereal. Like it's kind of like a fun treat, but if you are just like getting one of those premier protein containers and and knocking it back, you're missing a lot of the benefits of the experience of eating and the digestion process by not chewing your food, not experiencing it with, you know, your other four senses before you even put it in your mouth and the entire process that is so beneficial to your body and your gut brain connection. So I'm not saying that shakes are bad, don't have them, particularly if, you know, if you're in a phase where you aren't able to get protein, Mm. something is always better than nothing. So don't misunderstand me. But when it comes to, again, what we're talking about here, um, mindful eating and really trying to find ways to incorporate into your life, because like, let's be honest, we probably, most of us don't, you know, yearn in our lives for more opportunities to drink protein shakes. Like that's something we're trying to step (laughs) away from. They're not that helpful anyway, unless you're trying to hit a protein number and, and be in reduced calories. So um, that's one of the first foods I try to have my clients, stair step away from in this process.
1: Yeah. It, for anyone who knows me, I love a protein. I have a protein smoothie every day. I will admit, I, even in the I dead have one winter, at night, mm-hmm. I have one, but I don't ever have one just as the meal itself. And I will, I don't drink protein shakes. I can't remember the last time I took a scoop of protein powder and mixed it with water or almond milk Mm-mm. and and drank it. And um, but I will use the protein powder, make a smoothie out of it with ice, frozen fruit. I like cauliflower rice to get a little bit of veggies in there and I make it really thick. So I actually almost have to chew it in a sense. Mm -hmm. I can't drink it. I have to use a spoon, Um, but I will also incorporate other components of the meal at the same time. So if it's pre-workout, I'll have my protein smoothie with a bowl of oatmeal, or Mm -hmm. if I'm doing it sometimes like, I just like having a smoothie for lunch. And I will also have a side of sweet potatoes and a vegetable. So it's Mm -hmm. like the smoothie is my protein, but so I'm not like chewing it when it comes, because I know a lot of people too don't like eating meat. Um, (laughs) And so, and I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with eating meat, but sometimes like I just really enjoy the flavor and the consistency of the smoothie. So I'll eat that as my protein, but then my carbs will actually be carbs that I have to chew. So then I feel satisfied too, from the meal.
2: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Oh. So I'll be the dissenting voice on this, this particular topic, right? Cause we don't know how to do it things. I think protein shakes are a great tool for people who are struggling to lose weight and, while hitting their protein, right? And so, and even like, I drink the Premier ones because I don't like protein powder. I don't like the taste of most of them. And somehow I started trying Premier and I, I like it. If I heat it up in the uh, microwave and I put whipped cream on it, I love it. I drink it every morning. It's delicious. More of my clients than not really struggle when they come to me to get their protein in. Like they're not, they're not there yet. And so for a lot of them, we do use protein shakes, protein powder as um, a supplement. To help them get there. Sometimes they do it in more of like a fancy way. Like I'm going to make a shake and, you know, make it delicious and put all the things in it. And other times it's literally just like, this is a tool. You can put it in the water, however you want to do it, you drink it. Um, and that helps them to do something that's really going to be important for their body. At the same time, we work on other ways to feel really satisfied. Um, so it just depends on the person, like what's the best fit. If somebody is trying to if somebody has really gotten to a place where they can be pretty good without a protein shake with their protein, great. Like there's no reason I, before I started doing this protein, hot chocolate, I rarely, rarely use protein powder in anything.
1: Mm-hmm. I use the protein, hot chocolate all the time. I definitely recommend it. It's delicious. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't use the premier though, just yeah. because I can't have dairy. So yeah. I use my, whether it's like my beef protein or my plant-based protein, and then I will add cocoa powder, sea salt, stevia. If you're not adding sea salt to your drinks, you're missing mm-hmm. out. Hot tip for you. Uh, it just enhances the flavor of things. I forgot about that, Marcy. You made that for me before. I'm going to try and add sea salt to mine and see if I like it better. Oh, you let me know. Put it on oh, your really? stories, please. I'd be curious. I even I put it in that. my coffee. Uh, so yes, that is a really good option just to help people get a little bit more in. But Kim, you mentioned something about feeling satisfied. So let's talk about that as well. What are your tips and tricks for feeling more satisfied from your meals? So let me say this first generally, um,
0: along with the idea that we want you to wait to eat until you're hungry, we want you to start paying attention to stop eating when you're satisfied. And that alone takes practice because often that's not what we do. Uh, so many people are members of the clean plate club and they have been for most of their life, right? Since they were little and their parents are like, this is the food you put on your plate. Like I just bought this for you. You're going to eat that. And you stop when you've eaten it. Right. And so we've turned off this idea of I stop when I'm satisfied. So the first thing I would say is start practicing. What does that feel like? And it can be challenging because like, we don't want to waste our money and we don't want to waste food and we we you know the starving children in africa that our grandma used to show us and so all of these things come into play so i like to remind my clients a couple of things one that food is just as wasted if you eat it and your body doesn't need it it's just as wasted if you can put it in the fridge for later if you can't take a deep breath and remind yourself you're wasting that energy anyway if you don't need it if you're already satisfied you don't need it um, and then the other thing i would say Shoot. It just came in. What was it? Gosh, guys, I'm having one of those moments. I had two things to say. Oh, then the other phrase I say is you're not a trash can. You don't need to eat the food just to get rid of it because you're worried about starving children in Africa. They are not now better fed because you ate the food. And mm-hmm. that can take a lot of time. And then as far as wasting money, if you're investing money trying to lose weight, whether that's with a coach or however you're doing it, you are literally wasting that money if you continue to eat past the point of I'm satisfied or I'm full. Mm-hmm. So those are some things I would say, first of all. And then as far as- oh, am sorry, really
1: quick. it's interesting you say this because I was having a conversation about this very thing working with someone to not eat everything on the plate, because she does still have that ingrained in her from when she was a kid of there are starving kids in Africa. You need to clean your plates. And then the other thing that she said is she doesn't like the idea of waste. So sometimes it's not even there are people who are going hungry. It's that she does. She cares about the environment Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to be adding to the landfill by not eating or by yeah leaving food behind. So that was a difficult conversation to, to try to have just to, you know, it is
0: difficult. And I would say back to that, like, okay, so try your best to not waste it. Try your best to like, can you put it in the fridge and eat it for your next meal? Can you eat it the next day? So I'm, yeah, I'm not saying like everybody just throw your food out at the end of dinner, whether you're hungry or not. But then if you cannot save it, if you know, like sometimes you're at a restaurant and you're not going home, it's not going to make it home or it's just going to be gross later. There are foods like that. It's just, it's not going to taste good later. Then you can remind yourself, it is literally just as wasteful for me to eat if I don't need it. And I am actively, if you're trying to lose weight, you are actively, um, putting a barrier in front of that goal. And so it's just a mindset switch about what are you really
1: wasting? And I know it's hard. It's challenging for yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this individual was basically saying that she would rather have the excess body fat than have the food sitting in the landfill. And I said, well, well then that's well, her choice, right? That's an yeah. like, well, her value system Then totally, and totally. I like, yeah, and well, that's don't, cool. don't be disappointed if you're not getting the results. And also the other reframe that I was trying to say was, okay, well, where are other places in your life that you could be not wasteful? Like, or are there areas of your life where you're being wasteful? Maybe you're using like tons of paper towels or you're not really conscious of that. So can you practice that rather than, um, the food? So, yeah that's a great yeah. suggestion cuz like think about things like fast
0: fashion right we buy all these cheap clothes and then we have to keep buying more and more and so that's an area to look or you know not doing the paper products and things so yeah that's a good option that's a hard one but it really does come down
1: to living in harmony with what our values are for sure yeah so uh to segue or not really segue but what ties in with that conversation is when it comes to the mindful eating something that i practice a lot with people is leaving bites behind purposely, Mm -hmm. even if you could continue eating, you're not to the point where you're just stuffed, but you're satisfied. You've had enough. Can you get into that habit or practice leaving a few bites behind so that, you know, or you start to retrain your brain that I don't need to clean my plate and I will be okay. If I leave the table or, you know, throw the food away, like I'm not going to be hungry afterwards. That's a good, that's a big one, Marcy. Actually, I don't know if you remember, but there was a long time I
0: haven't done it in a while. I use that hashtag a lot and people would send in their pictures of them leaving bites left behind to get away from this idea that we have to clear our plates because it is so ingrained in us. Now you don't have to leave them if you're still hungry, but once you feel satisfied, really being okay with leaving them, it's a great practice.
2: Mm -hmm. As a macro tracker, a macro dieter, I, I certainly was at one time. I no macro left behind was my mom. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, like I had 12 mini spatulas, so there was never anything left in the bowl. <laughs> I mean, I, I think a lot of people who've tracked macros can relate to this where it's like your child wants a bite. And you're like, Oh, I'd really rather not share this. That's my macros. That's like my- Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, to kind of begin to step away from that, um, that's another way. Again, I think Marcy, in terms of you know, leaving bites behind offer to share a bite with your partner, your, your, your Mm -hmm. dining buddies, whoever's with you and make it more of a shared experience too. So, um, it doesn't feel quite so like your food is just looking at you back at you, you know, if you're, if you're leaving it behind, cause yeah, Mm -hmm. that, that no macro left behind mentality is a hard one to walk away from.
1: Oh, I used to like literally lick my plate clean, (laughs) you know? Oh man. Yes. I have been in that that mindset myself. Uh, so what else other mindful eating strategies that you guys utilize either with yourself or with your clients?
2: I mean, I'm kind of taking all of this. I realize it sounds like, um, I, I love that we all have such different, we're coming from different places here because Kim and Marcy, I feel like you guys are approaching this more from the person who is perhaps trying to lose weight. And I'm discussing it more from the perspective of somebody more at maintenance or mm-hmm. trying to just sort of step away from from tracking so much. And that's that's really kind of the phase I'm in and I'm doing a lot of, of, of writing and coaching about it right now. And so one of the things, I've started to do is create balanced meals like a build your plate kind of method in in one two three and this has been really successful for me in terms of finding satiety um, and it's not defined as you know uh, just chicken rice and broccoli it's it's you know you get to pick one protein whatever protein source you want maybe it's whole eggs maybe it's chicken thighs maybe it's salmon maybe it is lean ground or lean chicken breast. And then I like to pick two carb sources. One of them is always a green veggie for me. Like I, I love green veggies. I always include them in every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then another carb source that might be a little starchier in the fall. It's of course going to be squash sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Woo-hoo! Yes, yeah, squash season, <laughs> you know, it, you know, that I started I'm...
0: yet, Marcy. If I go to Trader Joe's, am I finding a delicata? Uh, not. Probably not. I could no. do a whole. I could do
1: a whole podcast episode on squash. <laughs>
2: Let's do it together. Yeah. Okay. I, I put it. You in know my... what? I will. I will stream live from my garden, where the only thing I asked my husband for a couple of years ago was a garden, so I could have delicata squash every day for as many days as nature would allow. Wait, it's did you do best. it?
0: Do you have it? Yes, I've been eating it for a month. Oh my god! Wow. Yes. So now I really want to come visit you.
2: I kid you <laughs> not. I say like I, it is. I don't know where I learned about delicata squash, but the idea that you don't have to peel it, you chop it and throw it in the air fryer, mm-hmm. like season it with. It tastes like French fries. I mean, it's, it's so good, incredible, so good. Well, it's so so good. good. I, I learned so about, about it from it Marcy.
0: Soon.
2: Say it again. I
0: learned about it from Marcy. I had never heard of it in my life. Well, the best squash. It's delicata is my second favorite.
1: The best is kabocha.
0: I haven't figured that one out. I yet, haven't Marcy. either. I, I need one to and it I couldn't cut it
2: and then I. <laughs> and I <laughs> oh,
1: never yeah, tried it's again. Tough to cut. I it's, never it's, tried. A good again. one is tough to cut. But do you anyway. eat the
2: skin on it, Marcy? I do. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: I will eat the part. skin on kabocha. Yeah. The skin's oh, best we we got to of hold off. Time. This
0: is going to be our next episode. We'll have a squash. We're over. sorry. <laughs> I know. I can go. Like I said, I can go off. I can go off on squash. Next episode.
2: Tune in. I'll wrap up my plate. So it's one protein, two carb sources, and then I do three flavor makers. One of them is always something like a dressing or a butter or an oil for a healthy fat. And then the other two seasonings are, you know, salt or pepper or garlic or something that just tastes good. I think flavor makers are so important for satiety. And one of them has to be a fat Always. And then, you know, keeping in mind that if you have like fat from egg yolks or fat from salmon, like maybe you're going to choose a lighter fat in, in your, in your flavor makers. And that it, it, it may not sound like a simple formula. Cause it sort of took me a long time to get that all out, but it really has helped me with mindful eating and achieving satiety. So I'm not feeling like what's next. What's the next mm-hmm. thing I get to eat. Um, and incorporating everything on my plate has just been enormously satisfying when it comes to being mindful and satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you can do like that. that. Great.
1: Yeah. I, I saw that post, I think it was yesterday or the day before. So we should link that, or we will link that post in the show notes for anyone to reference because it was so well done. That's exactly how I eat as well. Three to four meals. Most of my meals are well-balanced. Maybe breakfast. I won't have a starchy carb unless mm-hmm. I am Going to train soon after that, but the rest of my meals are always well balanced with protein, some sort of starchy carb, the vegetable, and then a little bit of fat for flavor and satiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have a framework, which I will also include in the show notes. So I call it the four-step system for building a well-balanced meal And you can, again, use these for maintenance or I think in not, I think I know in fat loss as well, so that you are feeling as full and satisfied as possible, even though there might be a little bit of hunger present where there will not be as much during maintenance. So the way to think about it is satiation. So will this meal actually fill me up? Am I going to feel that stretch of my stomach slightly? So I know that I've had enough. That's going to come from protein and eating, you know, the higher volume foods like your veggies, a carb, so sweet potato, squash, something like that. Two satiety. Will this meal keep me full for let's say three to five hours, depending on the size? So that an hour later, you're not in the kitchen or opening the refrigerator looking for what else you can have. Uh, and satiety is gonna come from adding some fat to your meal. So Fat. Like if you were to drink a tablespoon of olive oil, you're not going to get that physical fullness. But if you add some olive oil or some avocado or, you know, nuts, whatever, then it is going to extend the amount of time that meal stays with you. And then satisfaction, like you were saying, Katie, how can I make this food taste good? What kind of seasonings, sauces, flavors can I add? So that I feel like, okay, that was enjoyable. I can move on. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
0: That's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mine is really similar. I think we're all, we all kind of are, are on the same wavelength here about what it takes to make a satisfying meal. The five things that I tell clients to do are to make their meals have protein fiber, fat, flavor, volume. Right, mm-hmm. the volume specifically. If you're somebody who's um, trying to lose weight, that's important because we we want that sensation of having a lot of food, and so you get the volume from from the vegetables. Fiber is just such an amazing way to help yourself feel satisfied, stay full, as is fat and protein. We know that's the most satiating nutrient, um, and then flavor. And Katie talked about this. If, if you're if you're only eating stuff to um, check off the boxes of this is good for me and this will keep me full, that it's still missing something. And so making sure you actually enjoy your food is really important.
2: I agree.
1: Well, actually the the fourth component of my framework is simplicity, which I know Mm -hmm. does not tie into getting full feeling full, but it can definitely make meal prep or making sure that you are getting in enough nutrients into your day helpful because oftentimes people just say like, I don't have time to meal prep. I don't have time to eat healthy. And it's like, okay, let's yeah. keep it as simple as possible. So I don't like to do meal prep in the sense of, okay, I'm going to make meals that are five days in a row of sweet potatoes, broccoli, and chicken. Mm-hmm. But, and then at the end of the week, it's like, it, it's not tasting as good. You're getting sick of it. I, mean, I have meals on repeat that I enjoy, but can you make components for meal prep, so I know Kim last night, and I loved you see, or I love seeing you do this. You were making your dinner while also prepping chicken in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. So now you can use that chicken in multiple ways, and it was see, it, was it salsa or barbecue? It was salsa, salsa Yeah. So It was, it was salsa, salsa chicken. Yeah, so you can you know you can put that in a salad. You can use it as tacos. Like there are tons of ways that you can add variety and make that meal enjoyable, but you can still keep it simple. So it doesn't have to be these elaborate recipes that take a long time to make that. If you are tracking now, you've got to, you know, put every uh, ingredient on the scale and add it up and divide. Mm -hmm. Like that's just such a nightmare. So how can you keep it as as simple as possible, but it doesn't have to look like dry chicken breast, plain broccoli, plain Mm -hmm. sweet potatoes. Like how can you add things to that after the fact to mm-hmm. make that simple meal more
2: enjoyable. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I think that what works for one person, actually, even what works for the exact same person could differ from time to time. Sometimes I like to do full meal preps. There'll be times that I will literally like, I'll prep a whole bunch of like chicken teriyaki or something. I'll put it in the single serve tubs or chili. And then I'll have that for the week. I do that. Um, other times I'm just like, I don't want, and everything I make is really simple that my, my, <laughs> The thing I always say is I use recipes that aren't really recipes. It's really just stirring stuff together often. Um, I'm I'm no Katie Crocus. Um, no, that's <laughs> what my recipes are. It's dumping things in a pot and turning it on hot heat. Like that's what I do. Um, and so sometimes I'll do like a full meal prep. Sometimes I'll do like, I just prep my protein and chop some veggies. That's a really great way to do it. And other times I do what I did last night, which is while I'm cooking one meal, I'll make some component of another meal that's really similar. And so that, that what I did last night, it probably took me like four minutes longer than it did to just make last night's dinner, right? So I got all the chicken, I defrosted it. I put the, got the recipe ready that I was making for dinner last night. Once it was in the oven, how long does it take to throw, you know, chicken breast in a crock pot and pour some salsa on it and turn the switch on? The longest part was when I like used the, um, the mixer to shred them. And now that I'm using a mixer instead of two forks, it's like mm-hmm. minutes, it's two minutes. And then you put it in the freezer. I mean, in the fridge, or you can put it in the freezer. And so looking for what kind of prep is going to help you to be consistent and knowing that it could change from month to month or season mm-hmm. to season in your life. That's a big part of um, being able to be successful with your mindful eating as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by no means, Katie, I apologize. <laughs> Stop trying. Why? To we should not be using recipes. I know oh. creator. <laughs> But, but no. I that, like, I didn't, time- I didn't think you were saying that, Mark. Okay. No, I don't think
2: you were either. <laughs> okay. I
1: was like, oh my God, I feel terrible. I'm going to have to send a, I'm going to have to make a <laughs> after this podcast. No, no, no. Um, I didn't think you I were know, saying like, that at all. For some people, it is the barrier to entry. So at a long, yeah. at the end of a long day, I don't want to have to create a recipe. Some people that is their way to unwind is to cook.
2: Well, yeah. and you know what? Yeah. I think the reason some of my recipes look so long and so daunting is because of the flavor makers. And that's what we're talking about here. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, if we're just using lean protein and green veggies, it's going to taste like crap unless you find a way to make it delicious. And that was sort of my goal like, okay, how can I still make this help me with my goals, be convenient, and taste like something my whole family is going to want to eat? And that's where the seasonings and the flavor makers come in. And right. that's. That's why the recipes look so long because you see like, you know, five different seasonings to make like a taco spice or an Italian based dish or something along those lines. But yeah, when you're, I've got a a recipe for a deconstructed cabbage roll soup and the primary ingredients are cabbage and ground Turkey. Like that is not going to taste good unless you find other ways to doctor it up. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't mean to run away with it, but
1: yeah. And I think, you know, when you are making recipes like that, that are delicious and are really enjoyable, then those are going to last for longer throughout the week. So, uh, again, rather than just these kind of boring components of meal prep that I'm thinking is like the bro type meal prep, sure, which, exactly. you know what I mean? So
2: yeah, that's I have- what people think they need, and that's not like, that's unfortunately, no. um, a, a, you know, a false claim, I think, or a false misrepresentation of what it takes to lose mm-hmm. fat.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I have plenty of clients who are eating the ZPO bars every day for breakfast for months on end. Greens
2: at <laughs> breakfast. How do you like that?
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I still
0: got to make those things guys. Cause here's the thing. I really want to do it with a cocoa bar in a jar. And by the time I got the protein powder that I needed to make them, I'd eaten all the cocoa bar in a jar. <laughs> and <so now laughs> I've got the protein, but now I got to order the cocoa bar in a jar and I've been busy. So now I got to order that again. So I can, you know what,
2: them. Kim, I just, came up with the non-protein powder recipe for the I zucchini saw that. pumpkin oat bars. I saw that but now I have the protein. I have the I Oh it's the cocoa bar you don't have. Oh it's darn the cocoa it. Bar okay. I don't have. So
0: I'm gonna reorder the co- that stuff was really delicious. I like that amazing that a lot. Oh it's
2: awesome. I'm gonna order
0: more of that and then I'm gonna make my dang ZPO bars. It's on my list after the <laughs> launch is over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. Once the floodwaters recede Kim and yes. you, got, you can get to the grocery store you'll be set. <laughs> Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I know we got to wrap it up. Katie has to run, but this was a great conversation and wrapped up part two of the series. So hopefully you guys were able to take away some things to
2: apply to your own life moving forward.
0: Look forward to a full episode on squash
2: guys. (laughs) It's, it's that time. We'll get our pumpkin spice lattes and we'll see you another week soon. I'll start prepping my notes. All right. Bye-bye. Bye everyone. That was good. Yeah. Very good. That was fun. That was all over. I liked it.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.